First Chronicles 28, verse 7. I will establish his kingdom forever if he perseveres in keeping my commands and my ordinances as he is doing today. Put to death that nefesh that's wrong about literally everything. I'm ready to cut loose myself. The Christian experience has to be sacrificed. Mm. You have to have that soldier attitude. I don't care what they think. I'm here to obey the apostolic commandment. I want to fulfill God's will for my life. Which is the favor that Jesus had from his father by being perfect. Greetings. Welcome to RLM TV. We're live from Florida, USA. We bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Welcome back to the throne of his chariot, to the realm of seraphim and fire, to the realm of mysteries beyond what we've known, what we've already heard, what we already think we know about the throne and the kingdom of God. We're here today for more of you, Heavenly Father, more of you, Jesus Christ, more of your Holy Spirit. We're so grateful for the down payment of the Holy Spirit, and we are grateful for those who are patiently awaiting the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of fire. Some are awaiting the baptism of fire. So I thank you for your baptism of fire from your holy seraphim who carry your glory, who carry your holiness. So thank you for carriers of your holiness rising up and out of the earth in these days who desire you above all else. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the sons of Yadhe Now, the peace of God will be in your hearts, and a peace that passes understanding will be in your minds if you treasure God's Word, working, active, energized, and emitting the fresh Shekinah glory. The reason why Jesus Christ said, Father in heaven, give us daily bread, is because we need the daily glory. We don't just study just to have knowledge in our minds. This isn't the Greek education system of the fallen angels. This is the Hebrew learning system of the angels. We're the, we're the students of the holy angels, you guys. You need to fully understand that you're being taught the word of God by angels. It was angels that brought forth the law at Sinai. And it's angels that bring forth the new covenant law at Mount Zion. Now, what is the new covenant law? This is what the Holy Spirit said right before starting tonight. So you had all these rules and regulations in the Old Testament. What is the new covenant law? There is a new covenant law. It's called the law of liberty in Christ Jesus. That's Romans. Now we have in James that law, that perfect law. What is it? It is stewarding Jesus Christ in your bodies. There's one commandment. And it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What does it mean to love God? It means to allow Him to have priority and possession of your bodies. Okay? So if anything else is possessing your soul, your mind, possessing your emotions, your feelings, your attitude, your finances, your time, your relationships, if they're possessed with anyone other than the Messiah... We're breaking the law of the new covenant. Think of the new covenant as the new commandment. Is it a new commandment I give you? No. First John says the original commandment. What is the original commandment? Stewards of the Messiah inside the created body. 
Adam and Eve created in the Garden of Eden and filled with the glory of God. God ruach his glory into their souls through their nostrils. That's what it says in Genesis 2 and 3. And now today in the new covenant, it is the original commandment of stewarding that Shekinah glory inside our souls. So the issue is using your souls as containers for carrying God. In the Old Covenant, we had an ark with the stone tablets, Aaron's staff that budded, and the manna from the wilderness. In the New Covenant, your body is the ark. That's written in 1 Corinthians 6.19. Your body is the ark of the covenant. That's exactly what the temple is. The temple was only built to house the ark of the covenant. Well, the original building is man, Adam. And then from Adam came Eve. And they were the Ark of the Covenant. There was a covenant with God in the Garden of Eden. It was to walk with the Father in the coolness of the day. The commandment of the coolness of the day is to walk with God perfectly. Now, we have fallen significantly as human beings, and we have to relearn how to do that. That's what the daily bread is. The daily bread is remembering how to walk with God perfectly, and you have all the Holy Spirit, all the blood and the water of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who loves you, who's for you and not against you, and all the angels, the ministering spirits sent to help those inheriting salvation, Hebrews chapter 1, helping you. I will send another helper, it is written, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the one called alongside to help, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. What is the all truth? The remembering of how to walk with God in the coolness of the day. Amen. He's taking you from parakeet to paraclete. Amen. So we're overcoming overcoming the animal chattering, the, the, the slandering, the gossiping in the guise of a mitzvah, which is in the guise of caring for others. And the guys of praying for others, you know, there's a spirit that wants to speak, and it's not from the throne of God because it does not bear the fruit of God, right? In the beginning, in a beginning of a matter, right? In the beginning of a matter, the fruit of the knowledge of good, it looks great. <laughs> it looks like the mitzvah, which is. If you're not familiar with the term, you're just joining us. That's the uh, term in Judaism. It's the term in the Bible uh, for performing the will of God, right? Those things that God has asked of his people. He says, if you love me, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Now we know that's not having to get a little, you know, black box with papers on them and bind them onto our arm and our head. Right, that was a shadow of what was to come, which means oral tradition and written uh, tradition of the Bible, which means the written Torah and the oral Torah. Right, that's what Moses did. He went and got the Torah. Some of it flew away because it wasn't having none of that <laughs> when the golden calf situation happened. And how does the golden calf situation happen in these days? false love and you know we have uh, the spiritual intel that there is um there is a launch there's been a launch of the enemy in a more subtle form of false love than you'll even find us preaching and teaching about in school of the magi 
and the majority of the masterclass, you'll find a little bit about it in there. So also just making our warriors aware for your defenses when you're dealing with the wickedness of the right pillar, right? So you have the three pillars within you. That's your design. Everything is designed in that way. God created everything with wisdom. Well, how was it perverted by Satan and the curse of the fall when he deceived, uh, you know, Eve? And then Adam took and ate as well. The knowledge of the appearance of good. So when you're dealing with the right-hand pillar, you can remember this from your notes, you know. I know the girls probably remember this one. What do you do with the right pillar? When you're dealing with that right side, go extra strict on rigid righteousness, right? Because you're definitely going to be dealing with false love deceptions. And the higher the level, you know, the higher the devil, but also the higher... Uh, reward if you are able to resist and overcome. So first of all, the first step is realizing that there is a deception, right? It's not just, oh, everything's just going perfectly for me. There's no, no deception here. I've already overcome. You know, that's one of the temptations when you get into world 10. For those of you, don't think, oh, I don't need to listen to that. It's too far away. No, you're going to come up here. You're going to do it, Buckwheat. You're going to grow 10 weeks, right? That's what you want to do. You want to walk in that Avengers glory. You want to walk in the futuristic glory. You want to bring the kingdom age. I know that's what you're born for, so come on, let's do it. But what is it? It's baby steps, one step at a time. Consistency over a big burst of energy and going all out and falling down, right? So plan for the long term. So one of the temptations when you get to 10 weeks is to think that, well, you know, I'm already up so high, they're, you know, no deception anymore in the heavenly realms. You know, they're not trying to, there's, there's, there's a temptation. So, but we can just, just by being aware of it, your awareness of a matter is also your protection of it. We see that in Proverbs that it says, what's the best way to avoid a trap? In Proverbs, you can comment if you already know it, if you got it memorized. The best way to avoid a snare, it is written, is to be aware of it. That's it. To be aware of it. So, when the Holy Ghost brings to your remembrance the scripture, that's the river of life speaking to you from within. Those are the Holy Ghost reminders. Here it comes, like a river of life. His bringing to attention your awareness, because you're going to be sensitive to it, because you're not getting bewitched out there. You're listening. And so you take heed and warning, because it's also written that a wise man can see the danger coming and avoid it. So there's school of learning like that. Oh, here we go. Incoming. Okay, take step, you know, tuck and roll right into the inner man. Tuck in the inner man full armor of God, and speak the truth. Avoid wickedness. Right. Or there's the other one. I didn't see it coming. Oh, God. Oh, it hurt. Oh, what do I do? Help, Lord, help, help, help. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Okay, let's go back and get what was stolen, and then, oh, why didn't I see it coming? You know, that's called school of hard knocks. Now, you could go up 10 weeks school of hard knocks, or we can be sensitive to the word of God, the Holy Spirit, when he gives warnings, 
I I'm shocked sometimes he because God speaks he very he speaks very casually sometimes very calm I'll say calmly like something might just be stated very calmly in the Bible have you noticed that it'll just be one word it'll be one phrase and that one phrase is like that's your like that'll make it or break it that one little just boop. he doesn't have to exaggerate he's not a man that he should lie and exaggerate he just says it and that's just what it is so when we have a word of warning when we have a word coming from the lord for our protection if we are just casualing oh yeah i know it's fine it'll be fine i'm okay i don't have to change just, surely it's for someone else's correction not me <laughs> you know i'm up so high always take heed and take a look around and understand in your current surroundings in your current surroundings where does the enemy currently have a deception in you as in you think it's fine it's not a problem later on you find out is not fine it's a problem blind spots and so and again we've also had warnings about many um, people with blindfolds on many blind spots so we just thank you holy spirit for your conviction in areas where we're blind and areas where we have practiced you know any kind of um blindness due to ignorance or pride and in the people so that there will be the light of the sun of righteousness blazing through all those areas of the soul that they will see and hear the truth and the truth will set them free reminds me of know-it-all saul you know him know-it-all saul would go around arresting christians in the bible and then he met the shekinah glory the shekinah glory himself and he was blinded for three days did the glory blind him the glory simply revealed his true state of vision that he was completely blind in all his Judaic knowledge about God. Completely blind. And he had to say, lead me. Lead me into the city, it is written. He could no longer lead with any of his information of all of his Torah studies and memorization of Scripture. We have to come to that place daily. That's the dying daily. What's the dying daily in living to Christ? The conversion in all of you from Saul to Paul. Simple as that. That Amen. I cannot see in the human being. I cannot know God in the human being. It is a grace gift that the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ comes in my heart and gives me his vision so that in my religion, I'm not an opponent of God himself. So many people get involved in religion and start fighting God. Honestly, it's the majority. You'll wrestle the Antichrist until you conquer 10 weeks. Why? Because the Antichrist comes in the guise of Christ. Satan is not just hate, hatred. That's not his main form. His main form is the guise of Christ. The Bible says God is love. So Satan's main form is false love, which is all the human of being, even an external anointing, an external glory. It's called, Corinthians 3, a fading glory, a human glory. Your main opponent is the human being anointed by hell. Oh, that's what we deal with, guys. That's frontline ministry. 
You're dealing with the false love. You're dealing with the false charismatic. You're dealing with the false prophet, which is all the false inspiration. Being inspired in the beast instead of the man Christ Jesus mm-hmm. stewarding the first commandment, have no right. other gods, and staying inspired by the only inspired one. Don't sit there and think, well, I'm going to get inspired by my study today. Think, I'm going to get possessed by a different person, not myself. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, come into my heart, and I'm going to give him territory mm-hmm. to control my mind, will, and emotions. Yeah, go in there like, this is the sword, and I'm about to slay my animal nature with this so that Christ can live in this body and not me, right? Christ and not me, him and not me. I must decrease, he must increase. That it, And it's also written that not I, but Christ living in me. I don't want to know any one of you. I don't want to know any of you. I knew what she's talking about me. She didn't accept my friend request on Facebook. Oh, she has, no. I don't want to know Christ any of you. Only Christ and him crucified in you because that's the only preciousness which is just knowing the ark i i don't want to know the individuality apart from the ark that's saul we're not here to to minister to saul what happened with saul he was smote we're here to smite saul the Mm -hmm. ministry is the ark of the the stone tablets the word of god the manna the fresh bread from heaven in Aaron's staff that budded the almond tree, which is leadership of the Holy Spirit in your souls. That's the only thing Christianity is. It's just God progressively possessing us. If we make it about ourselves, instead of being the stewards of the possession of the things of God in our lives that are fully alive and active and energized, it becomes selfishness. Yep. That's human relationships for the most part, especially Christian relationships. It's all selfishness. Now, on the Facebook note, that's kind of a Holy Ghost highlight there. And in humor, you know, I hardly ever check my friend requests. So please, you know, don't take that personally. We don't, to tell you the truth, we don't need to be friends on Facebook. I'm going to explain this to you. You could go and friend request every big, you know, big wig, glory minister. You know, I don't even know their names. Anyone who could just like, whoever is, you know, the big, the popular ones. You could friend request everyone on Facebook that's raised people from the dead, right? You could friend request everybody who's been caught up to heaven. And you might get some benefit from hearing and seeing their stuff. But, you know, that's why we put this out all over social media. Because you could friend request everybody who's ever done anything for Jesus and still not be changed in the way you need to be changed. That's why it is written, I was looking at one of my um, Facebook memories the other day, rend your hearts and not your Facebook page. It literally doesn't matter how many times you post, oh, yes, Jesus, use me, Lord. Oh, I repent. That's not doing anything. You're just posting on Facebook. It has to be an inner change of the heart. So, rend your hearts and not your Facebook page. What does that mean? Oh, I need to, you know, shut down my Facebook page. Oh, the apostle isn't friends with me on Facebook. Look, you're completely losing the battle and missing the entire point. If, you know, this is the human temptation the human creaturely soul that just wants to be connected to people, connected to humans, right? That every one of your relationships is already getting ruined if you think like that. This is how heaven, let's just wipe that all out with seraphim fire. How are you going to have great relationships in your life? Because as we know, that's part of human design. He's made you to be in tribes. He's made you to be, you know, in socialization, you know, But the curse of the fall has ruined it. It's ruined. So if you're just trying to have Christian relationships, 
I was just trying to thank the apostle, blah, blah, blah. I'm so excited. You know, I saw your ministry online and now I want to reach out to you personally. Witches, right? You know, why are you trying to put soulish ties human to human? That'll never change your life, right? That's false love. It doesn't matter how many ministers you connect with. You'll never get the transformation that you want. And you'll always be disappointed in the end, even if you're excited initially and go away sad and hurt and feeling betrayed. How are you going to have sustainable, holy relationships without false love? Simply this. Guess where we're at? We're in the heavens. Where is Jesus at? He's in the heavens. Where's the kingdom of heaven? Within you. So here's what you do. Put to death the human nature in your nefesh. Circumcise your ruah, those of you who are baptized in the Holy Spirit. When you are connected to Shekinah within and you start getting circumcised, guess what? You're going to be where the people walking in righteousness are in the invisible realm. So when God moves you up, he elevates you. That's your promotion. Any promotion laterally is just false promotion. Any growth, what is what is lateral growth? We know that's called getting fat. <laughs> you know, we don't want to fatten our days of the, or fatten ourselves in the day of slaughter. This is a spiritual concept. I'm not talking about just weight gain, but from the external realm, we know that lateral growth means you're getting fat. That's just a common sense thing. What does that mean in the invisible realm? What does it mean it's time to maybe hit the, the treadmill, get, go to the gym? Yeah, take care of your body, okay? But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about spiritual lateral growth versus spiritual ascension, vertical growth through circumcision. So you could find the best ministries in the world and you find the best one. Congratulations, Buckwheat. You found it. You know, and that's just not our boasting out of our opinion. That's from the Father's throne. This is his endorsement. So what are you going to do? Are you going to go around and just try to find a bunch of friends? Just try to do the same thing you did every other time in your life? Or are you going to do something differently this time? You're going to walk in righteousness. You're going to stop putting your trust in the human being, yourself, and in human beings, others. And take that word and circumcise your soul. Circumcise your heart. It does work. And then you'll find... When you first seek the kingdom and his righteousness and you do the thing that nobody wants to do and get the circumcision, guess what? God's going to order your relationships. You'll have meaningful friendships. You'll have interactions with the holy angels. You will be connected to Jesus Christ, the Father, the Son, in a way like never before where you can enjoy fellowship and communion with him. And not just in the kumbaya everybody and their brother pretending to be Jesus in the invisible realm, but you'll know how to discern the spirits. You'll know how to communicate with YHVH, the angel of the Lord Jesus. And once you have that purity, get righteousness, that's your first ability to have a right relationship with others. Amen. Everything we're talking about is becoming a faithful priest so the unfaithfulness, which is all the human nature, is what is getting obliterated by learning how to be a faithful priest. So this is New Covenant Levi. That's written in Revelation. There's one of the 12 tribes is the priesthood tribe of Levi. Now you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. The holy nation's Israel. The royal priesthood is Levi. All of you have a priesthood. Your priesthood is your relationship with Jesus, which is your success in all things for eternal life. 
So if there is anything in the way, that's what we deal with every day. The bread of heaven is to energize the priesthood. Okay, It's not just for your personal breakthrough. It's for Jesus to break through you. If it's about you, the selfishness, that is the inspiration of self, that's the false prophet. That's Jezebel. So you can clearly divide between the selfishness of the things of God that are stolen. Remember the foolish virgins, what do they do? They would steal oil. They would not pay the price to be faithful priests. They had no faithfulness. They had no revelation of how to produce oil from the soil of their hearts because the, their hearts were not tilled. Their hearts were not circumcised. So there is a process of circumcising the heart. The Bible says the eighth day, which means after you're born again, circumcision is an afterwards thing. It's after you believe in Jesus that you enter the priesthood. Okay, so you believe in Jesus Christ. Now we got all these babies that aren't even circumcised and they just believe in Jesus. So they're born again, but they never enter priesthood training. That's the majority of these these spokesmen for Christianity. They're not even priests. They haven't even begun priesthood training. They are not the spokespeople for God, even though they confess Jesus, which is wonderful. And it might lead some people to the Lord. If it doesn't lead them to the priesthood, there's no shift in the universe. So what right. ha- what happens is you're still under oppression and you got all these people believing in Jesus, but there's no circumcision. There's no training in the priesthood. So what happens is the fallen angels stay in charge. Isn't that the current situation in America? Because of an immaturity in the new covenant priesthood, the fallen angels are still able to do all kinds of of horrible acts of lawlessness like we see with Colorado and Colorado's Supreme Court and taking Donald Trump off the ballot just injustice and wickedness and gross darkness in places of leadership everywhere you know who's to blame for that the Christians because of their immaturity they have the judgment seat of Christ on the Sephirot do you think there is even a single person walking in cosmic righteousness in the whole state of Colorado? You'd be lucky to find one in the whole state right now. So it's no wonder why wickedness... Yeah, there might not be anyone. <laughs> now I'm thinking about it. There might, Guys, there, so the call is walking. to maturity. If you want to change things, it's believing in Jesus is not enough. It's not enough. Hebrews says the same thing. Even demons believe in Jesus... Okay, so if you just start proclaiming Jesus without the training for the priesthood, with the understanding of circumcision, your body being the ark of the stone tablets. Now, these stone tablets are the sapphire stones, and God wants to put all those stone tablets inside your inside your body to emanate his law. So the man of lawlessness, Satan and his angels, have no place in the heavens over your states, over your nations, over your countries, over your cities, over your governments, militaries, and economies. This is all about government. What does the Bible promise of the increase of Jesus Christ's government and peace? There oh, shall they be don't like that. no end. I feel that. <laughs> this is all about government. And it is. So they want the separation of church and state. Well, the kingdom of heaven is the state of Christ. It's the government of Jesus. Antichrist, Freemason warlocks is what they are. 
These are daughters of the Eastern Star. These are the wicked sorcerers of Babylon the Great. They do not want to lose control. They are a satanic brood of vipers. We are at war in the heavens with fallen angels, and their works are subtle. Their tactics are temptation. They don't even mind that you're Christian as long as you're earthly. As soon as you become heavenly, you're finally a threat to them. That is the priesthood training that all of you need when you go cosmic. I saw a woman standing on the moon. That's Revelation 12.1. That's the first step of your government of Christ in you. And you carry that ark. You carry that throne. What is written? And the throne of God was with men they proclaimed in Revelation a people that are so well trained in the new covenant commandment of stewarding God on the inside that the throne of the Father, which means all angel power. Remember the Father? Jesus Christ called them the Father's angels. That's how you get angel power. If you're dealing with fallen angels, the only way you'll make a dent is if you bring the holy angels, the angel armies. The most common name for God in the Bible is not Jesus. It's not. The most common name for God in the Bible is Lord of hosts, which means Lord of angel armies. Why? Because you need it because you're dealing with the fall. They respond to holiness, right? They respond to the holiness of Jesus. So if it's not his holiness formed in you, there's nothing to respond to when you're calling for angels, angel armies, when you want to rule and reign with Christ, right? We're not talking about you know, worshiping angels or relying on angels instead of Jesus or any of that kind of stuff. But what this is, is it's about ruling and reigning with Jesus, learning how to rule and reign with Christ. How are you going to rule and reign with him filled with his spirit on the earth? Those who are obedient to the spirit, right? That's what's leading you unto life. When you're obedient to the impulse of the flesh, it says you're already dying. That's you're going into death. So every day we have these different options, right? We have two sides, you know, that are impulsing, that are pulsing their desire, either the desire of Satan and his kingdom or the desire of fa the father and his kingdom. The way God has the earth set up for the refinement of mankind to be able to come back into the garden is by giving you free will and choice so that you can choose. Okay, let's put them there and see who they're going to choose, right? Because that was the argument outside of time. Well, what about them? You know, what about, what about them? When all that stuff, you know, when all that stuff that happened before, before time and, you know, in the earth, when the angels were making their decision and some of the people who would become the sons of God were affected by that, well, why is it that the angels get imprisonment forever and not them, right? So what's the difference between us and the fallen angels? God is giving us a chance to repent, right? For God's reasons, which is, you know, the prideful nature of Satan, he was maliciously coming after them, after Adam and Eve. And so there's grace for Adam and Eve to repent. So there's grace for us to repent. There's no grace for the fallen angels to repent. We see that in the book of Enoch. So how are, so this time, the trial of time, right? It's a time trial. And uh, it's also the imprisonment of the fallen angels. So they're only within time, right? Ten weeks of the second heavens and, you know, all the way down to the earth. There is fallen angels and that's where they're at. They're not in the third heavens. Right? They're not in the high holy heavens. 
uh, they don't they don't get that. There are only um, place when you when they talk about the Satan's trying to come to God to accuse the brethren, right? You know, Satan, where have you been? I've been going to and fro among the earth. That uh, sephirot of Jesus Christ that goes through the second heavens is their only real place to approach. They can't go into the third heavens. It's perfect there. There's no sin there. It's not allowed. Those are the gates, right? So the sanctification of your souls through those ten worlds of the second heavens is critical for you to not have any place for them to accuse. So you want to go, the undeserved grace and the unmerited favor of Jesus Christ comes down, you know, from that third heavens down through ten worlds. So you're washed by the blood of Jesus. Otherwise, no one could be saved and even make it to heaven, right? So he did that outside of time. That's how Enoch was able to rise. And then he also came in the flesh and was, uh, he was crucified for the forgiveness of the sins of the world. On the cross, he came in the flesh, right? That's why you test the spirits. Every spirit that, you know, confesses Jesus Christ came in the flesh. Or, or the spirit, you know, you can say, uh, are you sent by, uh, are you sent from, you know, uh, the God most high, the spirit of God who sent Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of the sins of the world. So when you ask those two kind of questions, that's basically the same kind of question about Jesus. They have to, they can't lie. They can't, they can't lie to you. Uh, there's one, the, the closest deception, by the way, if you're testing spirits, the best trickery answer I think I've ever heard out of a demon uh, that, that kind of caught me off guard one time. So I'll share it with you. But I interrogated, I ripped his, this was in the, in the second heavens. We were doing some recon work. I ripped his ears off of his face. <laughs> um, you're having a, you know, testing every spear, you know, these creatures, I'm out of body or whatever, going, you know, through this place on mission, by the way, led by the Holy Ghost, you don't ever go into any territory uh, unless you're led by the Holy Ghost, amen. So I'm on mission. And I was with Brandon's spirit, and we were going through these places. And I'm interrogating everything I see. Every, you know, confess to me that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. As soon as it's not, break their neck, rip the arm off. You know, again, this is in the invisible realm. We're talking about spiritual things, just so that doesn't get, you know, flagged for any kind of violence. We're talking about the spiritual realm. Spiritual violence against the enemy is wonderful. It's your best friend. So confess to me that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. As soon as there's any delay, they're not saying nothing. Boom, attack. Again, snap the neck, rip the arm off, whatever kind of thing it is. Kill it, stab it. And this one, uh, the best, I would say, almost close to deception was he would say the word, but then a few of the words and stop. And then the other part of the sentence say at the end, like confess to me. I was like, Jesus Christ. And he would just say, Jesus Christ, and then stop. And then I would like yell at him, you know, confess it to me. And then he would say the other part of the sentence. So he technically wasn't saying it all together and trying to pretend. But anyway, I'd ripped his ears off. And so, <laughs> so understand when you're testing the spirits, they should be able to say right in a row, Jesus Christ came in the flesh. If there's any weird sentence restructuring or they have to pause, it's because they're trying to pretend. And then you deal with the humans. And the human's born again, but the the mind's not renewed and they're not trained in the priesthood very well. And they're totally bewitched most of the time. And they'll confess Jesus is Lord, but they'll yeah. be in, in the body of Jezebel. They'll be in the body of, of Edom. 
So like their their whole will and their purposes are bent for the beast in in the mouth of the beast, which is uh, you know the carnal Christianity, Edom Christianity, false Christianity, earthly Christianity, and so they can still confess Jesus as Lord, but be complete devils. Right. That's why it's worse dealing with humans because they'll lie to you and they can say Jesus Christ came in the flesh and they'll say all kinds of stuff. Now this but is... only practice witchcraft. And, and so Christianity that's not about the circumcision of the heart for Jesus to be formed in you. There's one Messiah. There, there's one Father. There's one Holy Spirit. So it, there is no division in the Spirit ever. So if there's divisions, what does the Bible say? Galatians chapter 5. If there's divisions... There is the fruits of the flesh. What are fruits of the flesh? A person who's receiving the things of God into their flesh, but they never touch their spirit. If we're honest with ourselves, that is the vast majority of Christianity, and that's why it never matures. The weeds do not mature up into the the Jacob's ladder, up into the sapphire stones. They can't. They don't have the potential. You notice the weeds always burn out. Jesus Christ said, I'll bind them in bundles to be burned. So the enemy's seed is weak. And it is the enemy's word that's sown as seed that comes in the guise of Christ, comes in false love, comes in false inspiration, the false prophetic, red dragon beasts, all of that stuff of Edom. It's Edom's word. It's Esau, the uncircumcised of Isaac, pretending to be Jacob, pretending to be the covenant, pretending to be Israel, pretending to be Christian. They're pretenders. Jesus Christ called them pretenders, play actors, hypocrites, teachers of the law, and Pharisees, having all the things of God. But what did he say? Their hearts were tombs, which means in their heart they were a tabernacle of the fallen angels, whereas the purpose of Christianity is to be a tabernacle in your heart of the holy angels, of the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? All holy angels, myriads. When we first started broadcasting and recording videos in 2008 on YouTube, I just had an old Canon camera for like a $50 camera when we first started RLM. And it would record the angels like lights pouring out of my mouth. We captured hundreds of angels on camera because they'd come out in the Word. Why? Because the Bible says your body is the temple of the kingdom of heaven, all of it. And so God can just pour forth his speech like the heavens and the hosts of heaven just flowing like a river. That's, it's funny how sometimes those low quality cameras, lower <laughs> quality cameras were actually good at capturing the invisible realm. I think that's kind of funny. Now we have like good cameras, which is great for high tech and high quality, but they tend to not always catch yeah. the angelic quite as much with it, which is I find interesting. But even with those mighty signs and wonders, it, it only led to persecution because you'll find when you're apostolically led by the Lord Jesus, you're constantly confronting the evil one, which means stirring up controversy stirring up the realm of the dead, stirring up the hosts of hell. And so you'd think, well, look at all the signs and wonders. Listen, the signs and wonders that usually bring favor are as if, if you're in Edom, all those lying signs and wonders. I have experienced in the true apostolic, Jesus Christ, Matthew chapter 5, if they treated the teacher this way, they'll treat you horribly as well. Mm-hmm. The true signs and wonders shame them. It actually... it. it 
when the signs and wonders came, Jesus Christ raising the dead, it says they were so angry by it, they immediately sought a way to kill him. Right. And as far as signs and wonders go, if you're looking for signs and wonders, look no farther. I mean, this guy had physical lightning come out of his belly. Uh, Apostle Shadrach has raised somebody from the dead and opened the eyes of the blind. And I got physically teleported as well as many like healings of chronic you know, diseases and illnesses. And this is not like... We're not charismatic witches, right? So we don't just go around trying to heal up every single religious Pharisee. Because if you notice, what do they do? Well, Jesus went around healing everyone. Well, there were certain regions. He wouldn't even do one miracle because of what? Their wicked unbelief. And guess how many wicked self-righteous Pharisees did Jesus go around healing? Zero. How many religious Pharisees? That's the main people that they try to go around and heal to try and prove that they can heal everybody. Yeah. So they try to appeal to their Satans, who they think are angels, who they think are God and the Holy Spirit. And so, well, look how many wheelchairs we had people come out of. Look how many crutches we have decorating our walls. And that's not a bad thing, as long as it leads to others to Christ. Just like the Apostle Paul said, I don't, as long as they're preaching Christ, who cares? But they're still not really yeah. with it. They're not accurate. It's, it's not the kingdom, yeah. and it's not the teaching of righteousness. The most important thing is you ascending to God. That stuff's the overflow. God that's, is more interested. He's not inter interested yeah. in producing workers, but intimate lovers. Truth, anyhow. He wants you mm -hmm. to walk with him in the coolness of the day. Mm -hmm. If you go after the works yep. before you go after the circumcision of the heart and the possession of the Ooh, tabernacle. Bewitchment 100% of the time. You just become a worker of iniquity. That's what Saul, what's what blinded him. His, his belief system of God was about doing works pharisees did deliverance and <laughs> healings and all kinds of stuff they believed in angels but if your spirit man is not energized by the word and your spirit man not doing the works it's a dead work right so good works come out, out of your belly flows the rivers of the holy spirit who does the works god but is if, interested in changing your heart more than he is about <laughs> healing your body that's why sometimes he sends gathering angels for people to die what, what are the, the gathering angels? You know those angels? They go and they gather the souls, the spirit, to take them back home to heaven. Because God is more interested in a changed heart. Now, if someone refuses to change their heart, we see this sometimes, that the person will actually die a mercy death because they weren't willing to accept what God is doing. They weren't willing to change. And usually people are very dumb, right? The, the, the carnal mind is very dull. So it's very... It, you, the deception doesn't usually come how you think it does. Usually it comes in a way that um, people will betray the apostolic without um, thinking that that's what they're doing. They self-justify. And then they just go on with their lives and then decrees come out you know, against them. The Satans begin to attack them and they've got hooks in them because they're like, oh, hey, look, you know, you betrayed the apostolic. Or, hey, look, you rejected righteousness. Or, you know... There's, we've seen people lose destinies over family stuff. Like, hey, why don't you just come home? Why don't you just, you know, don't go, don't be so extreme. And then they're just like, oh, well, my family, we've seen people, my family wanted to give me a car and just be close to them. And guess what? They they had like huge destinies gone, incinerated, just like that. And we've they seen did. families bribe people out of kingdom destinies by yep. giving them cars. Satan yeah. is a desperate liar. 
This is how serious the Messiah, Jesus Christ, this is red letters, Matthew 18, 9. If your eye causes you to stumble and sin, pluck it out and throw it away from you. That is, remove yourself from the source of temptation. It is better for you to enter life with only one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into the fiery hell. Okay, so Jesus was so serious about the kingdom and understand the kingdom as God inside minded. It was more important to be God inside minded than to be healthy. Now, some of you might start manifesting, drive that thing out of you. Jesus Christ said entering the kingdom was number one priority more than any other thing in your life. If that is not your goal, be certain you're not a biblical Christian yet. Right. If you're just going after your own healing, it's not bad to want to be healed. But if you neglect the heart of circumcision, there's no point in you being healed because you're probably just going to die anyway. They, they seek the things of the body and the nefesh soul before seeking Christ in his kingdom. Seek first Christ in his kingdom and his righteousness, which is his teaching. Okay, so it's the teaching of righteousness, which causes you to shine like the stars of the heavens forever. Daniel 12, 3. Then Jesus Christ, red letters, all those other things could be added unto you. It's not like he wants you to have one eye going into heaven or one arm going into heaven. He's saying this is how serious the kingdom is that you have to pay any natural price more than just family and friends and conveniences. Even the things of your hand and your eye. He's getting personal now. He's like, if you are not willing to give up your hands and your eyes to enter the kingdom, Satan's temptation is going to pull you away because you're not serious. And most people don't even come to the place mm -hmm. where they can gouge their eyes or cut their hands off to enter the kingdom. Which means, listen, you will have to be that serious to be a real entry-level disciple. Okay, do you understand? That's how much more important the kingdom, the God inside mindedness. Understand it this way. Let's unravel the parable. This is the value system of being kingdom inside minded. It's more valuable than having eyes or hands. You, you, you like those, don't you? It's nice to have eyes and it's nice to have hands. Especially my thumbs. Jesus I find Christ them said, incredibly useful. <laughs> the Lord Jesus Christ said in the scriptures, Matthew 18, 9, it's more important that your soul, your feelings, your emotions, your thoughts enter the kingdom within you. That's in Luke 17, 20, that enters the kingdom of the Father's word than having hands or eyes. Yeah, because some, pe some people will spend like... 10 years, 20 years, 30 years crying out to God. Oh God, heal me. Why won't you heal me? Don't you love me? Oh God, oh God. Why, Enter Lord? Enter the kingdom. And so some people will do that. They will ask the Lord, why God? Why don't you heal me? I'm pressing in for my healing because that's what they care about. That's what they know. That's what they've heard. And God will use that often as their first start of seeking him. And so even though you're just seeking him for your own needs like to be healed and then you're like what's the promises i'm claiming the scripture well what he really wants to do so he'll use that to draw you to himself but what he really wants to do is circumcise your heart so that you can have him formed in you and so we find that we seek god because we have a financial need or we have a health need usually we just come to him out of our neediness out of our poverty and that's fine he will use that but if you stay in that mindset, you're not going to go very far with your relationship with him. And what you find is as you get the circumcisions, 
the healing comes. So you, there's there's a te temporary healing that you could just chase after the healing ministers, friend them all on Facebook, or you could, you know, fly out to the conference or whatever, and you might get a healing, and I hope you do get a healing. It feels great to get healed, but what's going to sustain your healing? Is it just anytime something goes wrong, you rely on someone outside of you? Oh, you're trying to fly somewhere. The healer formed yeah. in your spirit. Yeah. The priority Over. of heaven is forming mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, the healer, in your spirit. Then you'll do all kinds of healings. Then he'll use Over you as he loses Jesus. Healing. Because your body be a temple of the ark. And, and be when the assured. ark releases its light, the Bible says it will heal every nation. That's what he wants to do. And men, and what's the healing of the nations? Not just a band-aid on the flesh, on the nefesh. But the circumcision of their hearts, as Joseph circumcised Egypt, what's the healing? The tree of life with the leaves, the fruit, it's the sephirot. It's the body of Christ. It's a sapphire stone fruit. So if it's not the sephirot, the holy sephirot and the sapphire stone fruit of Jesus Christ, with his leaves of his tree of righteousness, it's not going to heal the nations. Yeah, the leaves of that tree, the healing of the nations, the reference to some other leaves we heard about of the fig tree that were the curse of the nations, the same clothing that Adam and Eve clothed themselves with after they left the glory of God. The Bible says they clothed themselves with leaves. I believe that that is the fig tree that Jesus cursed because he didn't find any sapphire stone fruit. Right When he cursed that fig tree, it had leaves. Now leaves represent healing. So what is that? They have ministry of healing, signs and wonders and healing, but no cosmic fruit. The fruit of the tree is, you know, Yasad, Had, Netza, Tiferet, uh, Gevra, all circumcised, right? And then Hesed, and then you have um, uh, Bina and Hakma and Keter. Those are the fruits. They're sapphire stone fruit. The fruit is the meat, right? The the flesh of his body, of the word, the meat of the word of God. So that fruit is what you need. There's leaves and then there's fruit. So when you're dealing with the fig tree that Jesus cursed when it did not produce fruit, you're dealing with Christianity, like a tree, that deals with healing but does not produce fruit because the Father expects fruit in every season. Yeah, healing's not even fruit. It's not. Fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, temperance. The fruits of the Holy Spirit is by walking, submitted to the Holy Spirit in your hearts. So every day the most important thing is the daily bread, which is hearing from the Lord. And fruit is produced by hearing God's voice and then obeying His commandments. As He said, those who love me Obey my commandments, Jesus Christ in the scriptures. Therefore, in order to have the love, which is the source of all the fruits of the Spirit, you have to be able to hear. If there are things blocking your vision and your souls and your senses and your ears and your head, you're not going to be able to hear correctly. And by not hearing correctly, you can't have fruit. Because fruit is a byproduct of hearing. Faith comes by hearing. What's faith called? A fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5. Faithfulness. Faith is a fruit of the Spirit of hearing, believing, and obeying the Word of God. 
in Amen. order to grow in the glory fruit of the Garden of Eden in your hearts, you have to consistently prioritize hearing God's word. You want to desire God's word. So you go into the scriptures. Is it always an audible voice? Rarely. It's rarely an audible voice. When you read the scriptures out loud, you just heard the audible voice of God. If it's the context of what God is saying today, and you can feel an impression on your heart, this is something he wants me to study. He wants me to study the book of John. He wants me to study Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, Galatians, and where he puts a desire in your heart to learn and read his word. When you begin to read that word out loud, you just heard the audible voice of God. Now your job is to obey it and produce the fruit of the word. Fruitfulness only comes from scripture planted in your spirit. So the more scriptures you have planted in your spirit, it's called living, active, energized. And Hebrews 4.12, what is the living, active, energized word of God? The living part is the fruit part. What makes it alive? What's the evidence the tree is alive? It's bearing forth fruit in season. And he says, the standard of my fruitfulness is a thousandfold monthly in the book of Revelation, which means we continuously get pruned until we are emanating the same fruit that Messiah has at the right hand of God in the heavens. Okay, so the standard isn't you bearing fruit, comparing yourself to the local minister, the local church, or any of that. The standard is Jesus and how much fruit he has produced at the right hand of God. He is our fruitfulness. The issue is the measures you're still human are dead. They're fruitless. And then we often like to cover them up with fig leaves, which is our excuses. Earthly, spiritual, (laughs) demonic. This is my situation. You don't know my situation. Listen, those are all fig trees. The situation is Jesus, and you let him in, and you let him prune. You let him be a gardener. What is he in his resurrection? Mary Magdalene called him a gardener. That's his resurrection form, is gardening. What is he gardening? Mary Magdalene's heart and mind, which is the bride of Christ's heart and mind, your thoughts, your will, your emotion, the plans you have for your life, the plans you have for your day, the plans you have for walking around your house, what you're going to do with your time, going to watch just worthless stuff, or are you going to watch eternal stuff that will change you forever? So you begin to prioritize eternity because he's the eternal one. That's why he prioritizes entering the kingdom beyond just the temporary satisfaction of the vapor of the flesh. He loves the vapor. He created the vapor. But the only thing that matters is the eternal spirit. And if you prioritize his word in your spirit, then that temporal stuff gets fixed. But if the temporal stuff of the natural realm is the priority in your mind, You are completely bewitched and lost. So wisdom and daily bread is all to put our focus on the eternal one. Christ in you, the Messiah, our ancient one in us. And now we can prioritize our time, our feelings, our emotions, all based on God's word. You have God's word as an anchor for your mind, will, and emotions. Souls, it is written, so that we can follow God closely and obey him in everything he wants us to do. Amen. Amen. And I just want to encourage you that it's really fulfilling. What's more fulfilling than having a group of people around you that says, oh, yes, you're good. You're right. What you're saying is true or feel good, feel good. And what you're looking for is when the Lord Jesus Christ has good things to say about you. When the Lord Jesus Christ is happy with you, when the Father is happy and he praises what you do with his own mouth, that's when you really feel accepted. 
and it's a good feeling. It's better than having, you know, everybody say, yeah, you're doing a good job. Good job. Good job. 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 <laughs> good job. <laughs> you do a good job. <laughs> yeah, these Pharisees snack. seek the praises <laughs> of men, it is written. Make sure you're not seeking human praises, but the apostolic is the sanctified of Messiah inside human bodies. Huge difference. So don't equate the prophets and apostles as man-pleasing. That is total error. The whole point is that you be as consecrated as the apostles. Otherwise, you'll not understand all of it and you'll still equate it to human beings, which is blasphemy. Okay, fear Yadivave and his king, which is his apostolic government. That's wisdom. Otherwise, you don't understand the consequences of lying to Peter's face about your tithes and offerings like Ananias and Sapphira, mm -hmm. and they drop dead. They just they were smote dead in the book of Acts because they didn't have because they didn't have fear of man, right? You're not talking to a man. Peter said through his face, you're talking to the Holy Spirit. The whole point of your consecration today is that people could talk to the Holy Spirit through your countenance to put the fear of God into people. When Ananias, Ananias and Sapphira were judged righteously, and it was good, the fear of the Lord swept through the region, which is on mass repentance, serving God with a reverent heart that this is a real kingdom with the real king. There are consequences for disobedience. It's not just you out here doing whatever you want and grace abounds in sanity. Christianity. This is the order of the holy angels. This is an ancient kingdom. This kingdom is more ancient than any kingdom, any monarchy. And we need to serve him with reverence. There needs to be a holy awe and reverence. That doesn't exist in American Christianity. American Christianity mocks these severe things. We need repentance. We need the fear of the Lord. We need honor and reverence to those in authority. And those that are more consecrated and sanctified, our teachers, are worthy of double honor. It is written. Amen. And we're not asking for brown nosing. We're asking for the kingdom of heaven's honor system. It is very reasonable. And it is very good for your souls to start being enculturated in that mm -hmm. kingdom honor system of honoring maturity, honoring the fear of the Lord, honoring the protocol of the angels, the ways and the culture of the angels, so that you can be enculturated into the heavenly Jerusalem to have your citizenship in the cosmic Israel. Then you can live in that realm. But it's a protocol. It's a thought life. It's a reverence. It's a way of talking. You're different. You can tell this person's an ambassador from that heavenly realm. Why? Because they act differently. They care about the little things. They care about the invisible things. They don't use their mouths for slander, for gossip, for, for dishonor. They use their mouths for reverence, for glory, for being ambassador for that kingdom of heaven on the earth against all hell that's trying to dishonor the things of God. So use your mouths to set a perimeter in your houses and your relationships for honor and kingdom culture in Jesus name amen so I want to encourage you guys you know not all of us came from you know well-to-do Christian family homes you know worshiping Molech unawares you know although you know you know a lot of us did grow up in those churches that were you know corrupt but this is an encouraging word even if you come from nothing right if you just you really come from nothing this path is for you, right? This is where I come from. I really come from like, you know, like, I don't know how to, how to put this, like, 
not just like it's like small town out in the boonies you know go just past the cornfield and then the bean field take a left by the big rock that's where my best friend lives and then uh down past the other cornfield and that's where the church is and then you know small town and then you know living right between out in the boonies and then just down across the street there's the penitentiary <laughs> and then take a right and then you're in the ghetto <laughs> she, she showed me her hometown on google maps it was like a desolate wasteland i was like oh my goodness and uh so i just want to encourage you if you really come from nothing i mean i grew up drinking kool-aid my question for you is how many cups of sugar did you put in your kool-aid probably not as many as i did okay so we grew up drinking, you know, Kool-Aid, playing for games. And when you're a kid, you don't really know that you're like, that, that I was just, this is just, I'm living my life. You know, we're playing outside and having a good time. You know, back when children used to play outside before the iPad <laughs> existed, <laughs> we had the Etch-a-Sketch. Do you remember? It just goes to show, even if you grew up in a desolate wasteland, <laughs> you can still find the Garden of Eden inside your hearts. Amen. Amen. And that's the whole purpose yeah. of this thing. And so the Lord, he gave me a verse this week. And I remember telling you guys a day where I saw um, the sign and wonder about the genes, the father's genetics. And I forgot to tell you this. I think we talked about it maybe yesterday with the sign, sign window. We talked about star fruit, the stardew valley fruit, the fruit of eternal life. Right. And so going after temporary healing, why don't you go after planting the fruit, the seed from that fruit of eternal life? It's eternal life. fruit. Jesus' favorite fruit. Well, you know, I saw um, that day the five eagles again. You know, we saw the five eagles the day of the encounter against Satan, and then it was just peace and victory. And I'd asked for five of the hosts of heaven. And then that same day, I saw five giant birds again in the sky flying right overhead on my path and just leading me home. And um, those are just really powerful signs and wonders. But I want to encourage you if you come from nothing, don't look at your situations. I mean, this is how this is how it was. It was like six of us living in a house that came together in two pieces. You know the kind you duct tape it when it arrives, and that's where you live. Like a house you can we buy it. at Home Depot. <laughs> and uh, but it was really nice. I remember I was three years old when we moved there, and I felt I've seen sheds bigger than the house she grew up in. <laughs> yeah, a nice backyard, and uh, it was you know. I felt a lot of glory. I didn't know what glory was when I was three, but I remember when we moved there when I was three, it felt really special. And then I had, um, it was like pink carpet in my bedroom at some point that felt really special. I was like that color. And yeah, I just, just to put it in perspective, we weren't just like drinking, you know, Kool-Aid and microwaving hot dogs. You know, my parents would cook like when, when they could cook, um, my mom would stay home. My dad, he would, he had like a, he was a past, like a out in the boonies pastor's job feeding four kids, which is like with a stay at home mom. It's like nothing. Did you know Rebecca's a PK? Oh, that's why, that's why I turned out so bad <laughs> for until God had reeled me back in. Um, but it was cool. It was like outer courts, Christianity, you know, you believe in the Bible, you read the Bible, but there's no, no healings and signs and miracles and wonders. It's just kind of like people just trying to love God. Um, but there, I, I never met anybody that was speaking in tongues in that whole uh, in that whole city. At least when I was growing up there, anytime we go away, go and meet people, I never, at least if they were, it would have been maybe secretively. But I never met anyone like that. I never heard about it at all. And um, you know, this is the kind of family it was. Like all my clothes, right? So I couldn't afford to buy clothes, right? So all of my clothes I got was like from. Uh, 
it would be a girlfriend at church, one of the nice girls at church, but it was from her. But before it got to her, her older sister had it. So it went from that sister, not even in my family, to another girl. Then it went to me, and then I felt so bad for my little sister when they were done with me. Then they were hers. So by the time my little sister, the poor thing, got her clothes, it had been through three other girls. And But we didn't know. I, I didn't. When you're a kid, you don't know. When I got a giant trash bag full of <laughs> clothes, it was the happiest day. I couldn't wait. I was so excited. I still remember a couple of the shirts, the one with like, it looked like flames of fire on it. And I was just, you know, you get I'm like, oh, right, free clothes. You know, you, you get excited. You don't think like that. You're just having fun with your brothers and your sister playing outside and you go to church and you sing songs and I, I could feel the presence of God, you know, I like that. I would go and pretend to preach on the stage and one of my favorite songs, we grab the hymn books because we'd go with my dad while he'd work on his sermon. So we had four kids. Sometimes my mom was like, you take them for the day, <laughs> you know, usually like give, give her a break, give mom a break. So we'd go run around the church while dad was working. And one of my favorite things was to play, to pretend to be pastor or to lead worship. And my favorite song, one of my favorite songs then was we would open the handbook and I'd make my brothers sing with me. Uh, Are you washed in the blood and the soul cleansing blood of the lamb, which we now know comes down through the sapphire stone. So again, I want to encourage you, if you come from nothing, you can go up 10 weeks. It doesn't matter. And I did see a portal when I was a kid. I didn't know what it was. I didn't understand. I was very young. I saw a physical portal open up in my backyard in the woods when I was walking on a snowy day as it was up north in a, on a snowy day where there's nothing green except for pine trees. It was like this ivy kind of a leaf gateway. And I wanted to walk through it so bad, but I wanted to go and grab my brother, whose name is Joseph, by the way. I wanted to go get Joseph and show it to him. And then when I came back, it was gone. And so every year, for years, I would go back in search of that, that gate and wonder, was it real? Did I re-? And I, you start to wonder, did I really see that? And then when I would go to sleep at night and I would wake up and I would see things and I would go places and I would start to talk to my little sister and I would say, how do we know that this part over here being awake is real versus what I see when, when I, because I'm, when I'm over there, that feels like real, the real place, you know, because I would travel. And then over here, now this, so I, you know, I would feel the sweetness of the presence of God, but I had no idea what a journey this would turn into. But this is the verse I'm going to give this to you before we go. This is Psalm 113. The best come from humble beginnings. Remember the manger this time of year. <laughs> yeah, there was like zero um, privilege. My, I'll tell this to you real quick. You know, we did sports in the downtown little town and this is this is how this is how ghetto uh, our our little hometown was <laughs> like it was the, it was all if you remember the boonies plus the ghetto all together at once like my best friend her name was rose and one of my best friends rose i was you know during cheerleading my other two best friends in the cheerleading squad there was like 13 kids and some of them had the same dad and there was like the multiple different moms <laughs> Still calling each other brother and sister. And then my, one of my best friends, Rose, we like 12 years old, smoking cigarettes behind the tree for cheerleading practice in the inner city. <laughs> and, you know, my mom, and I go to Rose, Rose's house, and I'm 
you know, telling me, oh, no, I'm not, not going to smoke any cigarettes, Mom, you know. I know Rose does that. My mom doesn't like it. I love, loved, you know, we had so much fun. Um, but even in those circumstances, I remember the love of God coming through. And there would be, I was like, this is some of these people were doing worse off than I was, you know. And, um, you know, it will be black and white and mixed kids and all together. And we were kids. So we didn't judge each other by the color of our skin or how much or how little. Like we were, you know, we all loved the playground. We all loved, you know, cheerleading together. We loved, you know, watching our brothers play football and having a good time and winning. You know, when, if they did win, <laughs> if they did win a game, you know, we had fun. It was fun. And I remember the love of God would come through because I would struggle with pretty much anything I wanted to try and learn. And I remember that, you know, cheerleading in the inner city like that. And which was like, you know, you turn right two blocks and there, there's the ghetto. Go out, turn left two blocks, there's the boonies. It's just it's right there. And the love of God would come through because I struggled so much with just learning anything. And then I, I prayed to God and he helped me learn. I remember I was a kid. He helped me learn how to be a really good cheerleader. And all of a sudden I went from the worst cheerleader ever, couldn't remember one dance move, to I knew all of them and I could do it. You know, proficiently. I was just a kid, right? You don't. It's not like you know the mean um, episode of Mean Girls. And then, when I would see the girls who were struggling, like I struggled, I felt the love of God in my heart to help them. And so, eventually, what ended up happening was that with the love of God. You know, they they voted me to be their head cheerleader. I always remember this a special memory. But I remember it's the love of God for caring for others that always makes a difference. So all the promotions I've ever gotten in my life were always unexpected. And I always felt, you know, like undeserved. But it only ever came from just practicing more and more of the love of God for others to help others. And so I have precious, precious memories. But I just, again, I feel the heart of the Lord. He wants to say to you, if you come from nothing, don't be discouraged looking at your circumstances. He can raise up anybody into the sapphire stones. Actually, if you come from a low situation, you've got an advantage because he has compassion on you for the stuff you've been through. You know, literally from rags to riches, I've got planetary size. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I've got planetary size rubies of Gevra now, you know, in the invisible realm, but still they're valuable. I value that more than the, than the riches. I know what it's like to come from nothing. I know what it's like to see your parents worry about finances and struggle. And I know what it's like to struggle. I used to, there was weeks of my life where I would just, you know, eat ramen. You got ramen and cheap coffee and I got a few boxes of cereal left. So we're good. (laughs) Check, you know, different ways to make the ramen taste good. You know, the back, switch it up, have mac and cheese. You know, I know that life. So when you're coming out of that stuff, low-end jobs, low-paying jobs, where people embarrass you. And I've had jobs where literally people, like, they were, they looked down on us so much, they wouldn't even say good morning passing by in the halls. Like, how degrading is that? So, be compassionate. Never think of yourself as more than others because you never know what people are going through. If that's you, you can rise. Your low circumstance isn't a reason that you can't rise. Like, I had learning disability kind of stuff. Um, my mind is fixed now. Blessed are they who overcome. 
I'm completely medication free. I can focus and pay attention and grow and learn. All those things that were like weaknesses are strengths in Christ. So I just feel the Father's preciousness toward some of you who are watching. Maybe you have, you know, it's hard for you to not look at the struggle and how bad it looks and how much sin you've been weighed down with. He can lift you up out of the sin. And, you know, I came out of a wilderness time in my life of extreme darkness and a lot of sin. So I haven't always been holy and righteous. I was an extreme sinner, you know. So you can come out of it. And I want to share this with you because as those five eagles were flying overhead and he was kind of replaying how he's, you know, lifted me up out of the dust of the earth. I saw the license plate that said 113 and had R next to it. And again, we had so many signs and wonders that day. I wanted to read this to you uh, for your situation. For those of you who are rising, you're coming up out of nothing. Hallelujah. The title is God is Kind. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Go ahead. Praise the Lord, all you loving servants of God. Keep it up. Praise him some more. For the glorious name of the Lord is blessed forever and ever, from sunrise brilliance to sunset beauty. Lift up his praise from dawn to dusk, for he rules on high over the nations with a glory that outshines even the heavens. No one can be compared to God, enthroned on high. He stoops down to look upon the sky and the earth. He promotes the poor, picking them up from the dirt. Oh. He rescues the needy from the garbage dump. Amen. <laughs> he turns paupers into princes and seats them on their royal thrones of honor. God's grace provides for the barren ones a joyful home with children so that even childless couples find a family. He makes them happy, parents surrounded by their pride and joy. That's the God we praise. So give it all to him. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, gather around. For today we embark on a journey of purpose and passion. A journey that transcends generations and connects us all through the power of shared dreams. We stand at the crossroads of opportunity and destiny with the chance to weave a story that will resonate for years to come. In the heart of Florida, where the sun kisses the earth with its golden warmth, there lies a vision waiting to be realized. The dream of RLM TV, a beacon of inspiration, a lighthouse of creativity, yearning for a broadcasting facility to call home. Today, I am before you not merely as a speaker, but as a messenger of possibility, as we collectively turn the pages of destiny and script a tale of support and unity. Imagine a place where ideas dance on the airwaves, where voices echo with authenticity, and stories unfold like petals in a poetic bloom. RLM TV envisions such a space, a broadcasting facility that breathes life into narratives, amplifies unheard voices, and unites communities through the eternal thread of righteousness. Now more than ever, we find ourselves in a moment where the power of media can shape perceptions, challenge norms, and spark change. As Joel's army, we carry the torch of experience, the wisdom etched in the lines of our journey. 
It is our time to contribute to a legacy that goes beyond us, to invest in a space that will be the canvas for the artists of tomorrow. Let us come together, not just as donors, but as architects of a shared dream. Each contribution, whether large or small, is a brick in the foundation of a facility that will stand as a testament to our collective commitment to Jesus Christ's holiness, scholarship, and humility. In the tapestry of life, we have the opportunity to weave a vibrant and rich thread, creating a masterpiece that generations to come will marvel at. Today, I urge you to be a part of this masterpiece. Let us pool our resources, not just for a broadcasting facility in Florida, but for a legacy that transcends the boundaries of time. As we open our hearts and pockets, let us remember that our investment is not just in bricks and mortar, but in the power of divine connection, in the ability of the eternal gospel to bridge gaps and build bridges that we may become the stairway from heaven to earth. Together, we can make RLM TV's dream a reality, and in doing so, we contribute to a cultural landscape that reflects the redemptive strength of our entire generation. Thank you for being the custodians of dreams, the stewards of change, and the architects of a future where RLM TV's broadcasting facility stands tall, a testament to the power of unity, creativity, and the unwavering spirit of righteousness in our generation. Amen. and gentlemen, esteemed members of our beloved RLM TV community and honored guests, it is with a heart full of gratitude and excitement that I am before you today to discuss a matter of great importance, one that transcends the boundaries of our individual lives and reaches into the very core of our collective mission as viewers and supporters of RLM TV. 
Today we come together not only as fans but as stewards of a divine calling, a calling to support the works of ministry and secure a home for our spiritual journey right here in the heart of Florida. As many of you are aware, the ministry we share through RLM TV is not confined to digital screens before us. It extends beyond reaching into the lives of those in need, offering solace to the weary, and spreading the message of love and compassion to all corners of our digital community. It is a ministry fueled by faith, compassion, and a deep-seated commitment to making a positive impact in the lives of others. Our vision is clear, our mission resolute, and the path ahead very promising. Yet to achieve the great heights we envision, we must confront the practical realities that come with the responsibility of sustaining and expanding our ministry through RLM TV. Today I stand before you to speak about the need for us to join hands and hearts in taking up support and offerings, not merely as an obligation, but as an opportunity to invest in the divine work we are collectively undertaking. First and foremost, let us reflect on the significance of supporting RLM TV. Support is not merely a financial transaction. It is a sacred act of obedience, trust, and gratitude. By giving our support, we express our faith in the divine providence that guides and sustains us. It is a way for us to acknowledge the blessings bestowed upon us and to share those blessings with others. When we support, we actively participate in the continuation of God's work through the powerful medium of RLM TV. Now as we consider the expansion of our ministry through RLM TV and the need for a permanent digital home here in Florida, let us view this as an exciting opportunity to sow seeds that will bear fruit for generations to come. Just as a farmer invests in fertile soil to yield a bountiful harvest, we too are called to invest in the digital soil of our community, providing a stable and nurturing environment for the growth of our spiritual family. The acquisition of resources is not a mere transaction. It is an investment in the future of our ministry through RLM TV. It is a commitment to create a space where lives will be transformed, where people will find refuge in times of trouble, and where the light of our shared faith will shine brightly for all to see on the screens that connect us. I understand that each of us has unique circumstances and the level of contribution may vary. However, let us remember that it is not the size of the offering that matters most, but the spirit with which it is given. Whether our gift is large or small, let it be a reflection of our dedication to the work of the divine through RLM TV. As we embark on this journey together, let us be inspired by the words of the Apostle Paul. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 2 Corinthians 9.7 May our collective support overflow with joy and purpose. May our contributions be a testament to our commitment to the works of ministry through RLM TV and the establishment of a spiritual home in this beautiful part of God's creation. Together, let us build a legacy that will endure, a legacy that speaks not only of our faith, but of the boundless love that unites us all. Thank you, and may God bless each and every one of you abundantly as we embark on this sacred journey together through RLM TV. Amen.